0: The surge going on right now for seven more people believed to be involved in the beating of two NYPD officers in Times Square. Five are already facing charges. This was all caught on camera. Investigators say it began as officers tried to break up a group of migrants. This happened Saturday night in front of a migrant shelter on 42nd Street, just steps away from the new Amsterdam Theater. Officers tried to cuff the man wearing a bright yellow jacket.
1: It infuriates me. I had to see two of my cops trying to defend themselves against eight, nine, ten people.
0: Well, five men were arrested and charged with assault and released. One lieutenant suffered a cut to his face. The other officer had injuries to the side of his body.
1: All right, so we all saw the video. Saturday afternoon, about four o'clock, 4th, 42nd Street, and 7th Avenue. A lieutenant and a police officer in the Midtown South being directed towards the Sorley group. As they clear, pretty clear that group, you saw the video, reprehensible. Cowards. You have eight people attacking a lieutenant and a cop, running up to them, trying to kick him in the face and kick him in their face. Four are arrested on the scene. One was arrested last night. The four that were arrested should be sitting in Rikers right now, on bail. Should be indicted this week and taken off our streets. You want to know why our cops are getting assaulted? There's no consequences. And we must change this.
2: End of story. It's a dangerous place for children. There are families here who have lost their children. There are families across the country whose children have engaged in self harm, who
0: have experienced low self esteem, who have been sold deadly pills on the internet. The internet's a dangerous place for children. And your platforms are dangerous places for children. Mr. Zuckerberg, you and the companies before us, I know you don't mean
3: it to be so, but you have blood on your hands. You have a product. You have a product that's killing people.
0: Your voice, however, I find is very soothing and very listenable, and you are the best in the business for a reason. Oh, my God. And- You, and also, you have, like, the tonality, like, you know what you're getting right away. It's like, I'm Sid Rosenberg, I'm a New Yorker, and I'm going to give it to you straight, right? Like, that's what you're going to get.
4: My name is Sid Rosenberg, and I host the number one radio show in New York City and across the country. (laughs) I live in, uh, in Queens, New York. I was in my bedroom back on October the 7th when the tragedy occurred, and I have spent the better part of the last four months fighting with you guys in spirit, not body, and trying my best to get my way here to see you guys. And with the help of Yehuda
5: Honegman,
4: he got me here just four days ago. And I want you guys to know this, the girls, the guys that are fighting, the women that are home with the children, waiting for you guys to come home safely. There's a lot of us, a lot of us in America and around the world, that love you and really want you to go out and win this war, kill those f***ing savages. Teach the world a lesson that when you f*** with Israel, you mess with the best. So, with that said, I can tell you this. I, I it, it almost brings me to tears. I'm a tough guy. I'm a Brooklyn boy. I'm a tough guy. It almost brings me to tears every time. But you men show so much courage that for folks like us who are not fighting with you, all we can do is say thank you. God bless you all and good luck. Good luck to you.
5: Down to Konki Park Listening to the wind of change August, summer night Soldiers passing by Listening to the wind of change of those like bright
4: Well, that was uh, quite the scene of last night, folks. That's all I can tell you, that little speech that uh, Rich Vadabali put together at the end of today's Open was. That was a memory I'll, uh, I won't i will soon forget is all I can say. So I think as we wrap up our fourth and final show here from Jerusalem today, head back to the States over the weekend. Tomorrow morning we will not be on the air because our show about midway through collides with the Sabbath here in Israel, and these studios are not open during Shabbos, so we can't do the show. So we're going to go down south tomorrow morning and uh, take a look at the spots that were affected back on October the 7th in very tragic fashion, the Nova Music Festival, the Kibbutzim. We're going to go down tomorrow. It's about a two-hour trip. It's not close, so we're leaving very, very early in the morning because you have got to be back before Shabbos because we've got a Jewish cab driver So, we're leaving early in the morning, going down south, and then coming back. And then we've got a big Shabbos dinner with Alex Trayman. And it is Alex Trayman, who is the CEO of JNS, where we've been doing this show for the last four days. In fact, he'll join us on this show later on this morning. So, I think the big misconception is from folks who don't know what's going on, is there was an attack in the south. That's correct. A very vicious and brutal and inhumane attack. That's correct. And since then, Israel has been involved in a war with Hamas in the south. That's correct. Then people are starting to figure out with Hezbollah, Lebanon, Iran, all these countries that hate Israel. All of a sudden, the last couple of months, the north has become a huge issue. That is correct. And it seems inevitable, not if but when, all out war breaks out in the north which could really, really hurt Israel, even towards the center of the country. Like we're staying this week, Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, they'll all be affected. It would be a complete disaster. That is correct. But what folks don't know is, is there's fighting going on not just in the south, not just coming in the north, and it's there already, but other parts of the country, plenty of fighting too. So these soldiers... For example, you heard me talking to them at the end of the open. They're in a place called Janine. And Janine is in the Judah, Samaria, Judea, I should say, Judea, Samaria area, where we went to visit on a tour a couple of days ago and where these barbecues were last night. Gosh Etzion, Kephar Etzion. Those are the places. That is Judea and Samaria, even though they're inhabited by mostly Jews. They're not considered a part of Israel. But in Janine, they've been fighting like cats and dogs for months. So this, these soldiers, about 200 of them, who were at this barbecue last night, which Yehuda Hanekman, his friend Aaron, and others put together two or three times a week. There's another one coming up tonight. They just wrapped up a four-month stay in Janine for this fight. Lots of these guys are reservists. They get to go home. Some of these guys are leaving and going someplace else in the country, and some are going right back to Janine. But for one night, last night, they had a chance to eat and dance and see their significant others. Some of their kids showed up as well. And for one night, after basically four months of hell, they had a chance to party. And to think that uh, I would be at that party, and Justin, my children were there too, with Yehuda and Aaron, and not just be there, but have a chance to speak to these courageous men and women. And let me say this. You need to go, if you haven't gone yet, to my Instagram page right now, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, or my Facebook page, Sid Rosenberg. You must. I'm compelling you. I'm urging you. I'm telling you, you must follow me today because you're going to see some great videos When that speech was over, these soldiers didn't meekly walk up and shake my hand and thank me. They hugged me, they kissed me, they held on to me like I was their long-lost brother or son, 200 of them. And you can see all of it in these videos, once again, at Rosenberg.Sydney on Instagram, S-I-D-N-E-Y, or Sid Rosenberg on Facebook. And the guy that was sitting right next to me, who witnessed all of it? Even cooked, he made hamburgers and chicken for the soldiers last night. Very proud of this guy, my producer Justin Ellick. How cool was that last night? It was
0: awesome. Uh, just great to see uh, every one of those soldiers have uh, really ear to ear smiles across their faces. Uh, they love the food, which uh, I uh, really took personally, honestly, because I yeah. flipped about. You made uh, it yeah I flipped about fifty to seventy five uh, hamburgers, and I took a lot of pride in doing so it was uh, It was really a, a wonderful time to be able to spend that sort of uh, close quality time with these uh, with these service members who really you know you said it well they go out every day and, and they risk their lives and uh, After four months of absolute hell, last night they got to release uh, some of that tension
4: There was one other picture of me with all of them. You could also see on my Instagram and facebook page i 'm in the middle wearing a gray sweatshirt, fingers up, everybody else wearing their army green. But it was amazing. They're having another one tonight. We may go. We'll see. We've got a busy day tomorrow. And, again, we're flying home late Saturday night after Shabbos. We arrive early Sunday. We'll be back in our studios in New York City come Monday morning. So a busy couple of days coming up as we wrap up Jerusalem. We've got three or four in-studio guests today from Israel. And these are all fascinating people fascinating people with great stories, so that you guys, I hope at the very least, we've made things more clear since I've been here. We've been here the last couple of days because I think at least six, seven, eight, nine, or ten times I've explained to you folks that what we see in New York is not all of it, including this fighting in Janine and other spots around the country. So I hope at the very, very least you learn more about what's going on in Israel And uh, now pay closer attention, although it's it's very difficult because there's so much going on back in our country. Cops getting beat up in Times Square. The big moment on the Hill yesterday with Lindsey Graham and Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. By the way, I did speak to Sergio Gore yesterday. He happens to be Donald Trump's publicist. Not his publicist, his publisher. He writes his books. Does the same thing with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Judge Janine, Carrie Lake, all of them. Sergio was one who booked Donald Trump on this show just a couple of months ago. And uh, Sergio has once again reached out to the president who agreed, because he loves me, to come back on this show. So uh, later on today, I'm going to talk to uh, Margot Morton. We will finalize the details, but President Trump will be back on this show in all likelihood next week. And he's not doing a lot. He just did Nevada. He's got South Carolina coming up. He is not doing a lot of media, but asked to do this show. He jumped at the opportunity, so Donald Trump will be back on Sid and Friends in the morning coming up next week. He knows I'm here. He thinks it's awesome. Everybody does. The amount of messages I've received, I mean, I thought I was uh, kind of a big deal <laughs> before I left for Israel, now between the people in this country who are so, so appreciative and the thousands and thousands and thousands of folks back home, if I was a little bit of a big deal before I left, now I'm more of a little bit of a big deal. Let me, yeah, let me go to Noam Laden. Noam, I guess uh, the big story coming out of the city today is it's one thing for cops to get beat up in Times Square, but as uh, Chief Shell said, when it turns out to be migrants, migrants – The people that we keep getting told by Mayor Eric Adams and Kathy Hochul are good people. They just want a place to live. They just want a place to work, be nice to these people. And then five, six, or seven of them jump to cops in the city. That really becomes the bigger uh, story, I think, than the cops necessarily getting beat up what is the, uh, the latest on that
3: yeah there's enormous outrage over this story as this video this viral video now is seen by more and more new yorkers these two cops in times square over the weekend trying to break up a fight then all these migrants jump in they start attacking the two officers one officer uh suffered some cuts uh, and then some of them were arrested and then let go back out onto the streets. So now some have been brought back in. You had Governor Hochul yesterday suggesting that when they do round up this whole crew, and it's not even exactly how many there are. There might be seven, ten, even more. Once this whole crew is rounded up, she suggested yesterday they be sent packing home to their native countries. We'll see yeah, if she so, follows through with that.
4: Yeah, that's exactly what they should do. They should not be here in the first place, but now what other excuse do you need to get these mother effers out of here? I thought uh, Chief Shell did a really good job. He's been on the show a bunch of times of talking about this beatdown. You can really hear his frustration. He says flat out, it's bad enough the cops get beat up. It's worse, there are no repercussions. Louis, play this. Chief Shell, cut number two.
2: Chair votes aye.
4: Chairman Green votes aye. That's it? (laughs) Where's that long cut that uh, comes from Chief Shell? It should be cut number two when he talks about... All right, so we all
1: saw the video. Saturday afternoon about 4 o'clock, 42nd Street and 7th Avenue, a lieutenant and a police officer in Midtown South being directed towards the Sore group. As they clear, try to clear that group. You saw the video. Reprehensible. Cowards. You have eight... People attacking a lieutenant and a cop, running up to them, trying to kick him in their face and kick him in their face. Four are arrested on the scene. One was arrested last night. The four that were arrested should be sitting in Rikers right now on bail, should be indicted this week and taken off our streets. You want to know why our cops are getting assaulted?
4: There's no consequences. And we must change this. End story. Nice job by Chief Shaw, but I gotta tell you though, first of all, no comment on that great speech I made last night, nothing?
3: Yeah, I, th- oh, well, we were talking about this, but I thought, I mean, I think that'll be a moment that will live with you for the rest of your life. I mean, well, it hard sounds hard. like emotional and moving. Yeah, and what yeah. you're doing in terms of being in Israel, that moment might be, at least for me, the biggest one because these are the guys who are on the front line fighting this war. And to get a warm embrace from somebody in, in New York, right? Not even somebody inside Israel is just huge. It's big for them. It's not, it's more than just the meal. It's just the you saying, Hey, here we are all the way way back in america you might be seeing these crazy protests but there's lots of other people like us who support what you're doing
4: you just nailed it that's exactly the way they felt it was almost like it was more important that we traveled all the way here 6,000 miles to tell them we love them so by the way, getting back to chief shell as scary as that audio is and that story is you got migrants who should never be here in the first place Curtis Lewa, beating up cops in times square but the scariest audio of all and he does this all the time I can't tell you how many times the last couple of months, FBI Director Christopher Ray said something that scared the living daylights out of me. And I'm in a war zone right now. I'm not even scared. But Chris Ray scares the hell out of me. And yesterday he talked about Chinese hackers. You ready for this? They're about to shut America down. Lewis, FBI Director Christopher Ray, cut number 13.
1: PRC hackers are targeting... Our critical infrastructure, our water treatment plants, our electrical grid, our oil and natural gas pipelines, our transportation
4: systems. Is that unbelievable? Play one more. This is Ray still testifying. Cut number 14.
1: China's hackers are positioning on American infrastructure in preparation to wreak havoc and cause real-world harm to American citizens and communities if and when China decides the time has come to strike.
4: Wow. I mean, Noam, that's, uh, that's some pretty scary stuff. And everybody always talks about that, the the warfare that doesn't involve bullets or knives or tanks or explosives, how easy it is for these countries now to basically shut us down, put us in a blackout, shut off our water. I mean, that could really, really be a disaster. Israelis are worrying about that right now if a war starts in the north, in central Jerusalem, But Chris Ray talked about it yesterday. That has become a reality for the United States.
3: It has been a reality when you think about all the commercial enterprises that have been hacked into over the last couple years where they have to pay these mammoth sums of money to get their data back. We've had local school systems just in the tri-state area where these groups are all overseas by the way. Take over all the information from these systems. They're easy to hack into and they pay these ransoms. Huge ransoms by the way and this has been going on for a while. So now He's taking it of course to the next level that they could attack these government enterprises, which would be even bigger. Oh my god.
4: All right, we got a big, big guest list coming our way today. As always, Noam laden Great job, thank you. We start from the one Israel bunch. she took us on a tour on Tuesday. Me, Justin, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe in Judea and Samaria. Eve Harrow will be here, seven fifteen. He's the man, the greatest, Curtis Slewa, coming up at seven forty five. Israeli Superstar Hillel Fold will be here. 8.15, we'll talk to the man, the CEO of JNS.org. We're using his studios the last four days. He's been on this show often since October the 7th, our good friend Alex Treman. It is Thursday, coming up at 8.45, the great Bill O'Reilly, and we cap off our guest list from Jerusalem with the man who did all the legwork to get us here, and that is our dear friend Yehuda Hanigman. Once again, I want to thank John and Margot Katzimachidis, Chad Lopez, all the powers that be for allowing this to happen, making this trip a dream come true on our last and final day, day four of broadcasting from Israel. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222, our last day in Israel. Keep it right here, sitting friends in the morning. Every night where the
3: sit in friends in the morning 77 WABC we
5: spotted the ocean at the head of the trail where well,
4: we 6.30 on your Thursday morning, 1.30 p.m. Eastern time here in Tel Aviv. You know, Norman, it's interesting you said that these soldiers really appreciate the fact that a guy from New York comes 6,000 miles to tell them that he loves them. But what's also funny about that is, is I have to say about 200 soldiers there last night, at least a dozen, at least a dozen, came up to me after they hugged me and, and talked to me and had New York roots. One guy's like, I live in Queens, too. I'm like, no kidding. He's like, yeah, Forest Hills. I just came here last year. I'm gonna bite. Another guy comes. He's from Manhattan. So the um, the uh, the New Yorkers are well represented. You know, you did these stories, No not that long ago, that you know the flights from Kennedy Airport, LaGuardia Airport were filled. You know, the pro-Palestinians maybe walking the streets, those assholes, and blocking tunnels and bridges and causing havoc in Bay Ridge. That gets reported every second of the day. What does not get reported, unless you do it, Noam, are the thousands, and that's a real number, thousands of New Yorkers who, after October 7th, came here to Israel to fight. And I saw that firsthand last night. i got to tell you, bro, effing cool.
3: Yeah, those flights were endless in the beginning, and soldiers, you know, Israelis who had either moved here or Americans who had served in the Israeli army going back. And then you had, by the way, said a group of American Jews who said, I want to see anything I can do to just help. So they got on planes and flew to Israel and said, okay, so many of these soldiers being taken away from jobs that are important jobs. How can I help in Israel? And you've seen that as well.
4: Yeah, I mean, I stood up there and I kept asking Yehuda because about 10 soldiers spoke before me. And they all spoke in Hebrew. So I said to Yehudi, he goes, you're going to go speak next? I go, do any of them understand English? And he goes, yeah, I'd imagine a bunch of them. So when I started the speech, I said, "Uh, hi, I'm Sid. Before I go any further, we didn't play this part. If you understand English, raise your hand. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Every one of them raised their hand. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thank God, because I was I was looking at like the the, the bad comedian, you know, when three people laugh inside the audience, right. you're having a rough night. I'm like, five people are going to applaud you. <laughs> but as it turned out, every one of them raised their hands. And again, to a man, the reception I received after, I've never gotten that before. And something tells me I'll never get that again. And I don't care if you win an Academy Award. I don't care if you win the Heisman. I don't care if it's Patrick Mahomes or Brock Purdy holding up the Super Bowl Vince Lombardi trophy in less than two weeks in Las Vegas. No one uh, that I've ever seen has gotten that type of reception from guys who put their lives on the line every day. Just a just mention. Talking about putting your lives on the line, I know that Lindsey Graham and a bunch of other folks, uh, I want to say Noss was there too, Ossoff, John Ossoff, made the point To Mark Zuckerberg yesterday, a part of me feels guilty because I keep imploring our audience, follow me on Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, Rosenberg.Sydney. Go to Facebook, Sid Rosenberg. So here I'm promoting Instagram and Facebook, both owned and started by Mark Zuckerberg, knowing full well that what Lindsey Graham and Ossoff said yesterday, there's merit to that. I've seen it. My own daughter, Ava, with stuff she goes through both in New York and out in Europe in college. My son, Gabriel. These social media websites have become diseased. A bunch of people that just hate, just like these pro-Palestinians and BLM supporters. Those are the folks, for the most part, that are on social media. And it's really become bad, so I was glad to see those guys on the Hill yesterday and what did they accomplish, Noam, if anything?
3: Probably not a whole lot. And you had that moment and a pretty good one where Mark Zuckerberg, the head of Facebook, stood up and turned around and addressed the crowd of people who were behind him. Some who had, uh, you know, parents of kids who had committed suicide. And you know they didn't do a lot of talking about this. It was this algorithm is what addicts kids to looking at TikTok or Snapchat or whatever they create. You know they figure out what you're into, right? And you've you've seen this before. All of a sudden you could be you're sent these videos, and you you know three hours later you're still staring at your phone. Oh In the case of kids though, it's all lots of times really inappropriate material, or it's just that basic sort of thought that now you can see what everybody else is up to so like when you and i were in high school and you were missing out on some party you might never ever find out about it because nobody talked about it in school the next day now these kids see about everything they're missing out on because there's pictures of it and it's all just so addicting and and uh, i think mayor uh, adams had this right when he talked about this last week it's playing on their mental health and I, i look i see it with my own kids i guess you see it with your kids as well
4: yeah, no doubt, and Mayor Adams did have that part right. It was not a very good week or day for Mayor Adams, but he got that part right. And, um, you know, my old partner, Bernard, God rest his soul, we miss him, we love him every day, he used to always say to people, and to be honest, it annoyed me sometimes, he'd be like, you've got blood on your hands. he would be like, Bernie, calm down, calm down. But that's exactly what Lindsey Graham said yesterday to Mark Zuckerberg, used that exact quote. You've got blood on your hands. Lewis,
3: Lindsey Graham, cut number three. Mr. Zuckerberg. You and the companies before us, I know you don't mean it to be so, but you have blood on your hands.
4: You have a product. You have a product
3: that's killing people.
4: So then you get um, my guy Kennedy out of Louisiana, Senator Kennedy, and he goes to Zuckerberg, and he also ripped him a new anus. Here is Senator Kennedy, cut number eight. This abundance of personal information. And then you
0: develop algorithms to punch people's hot buttons and send and, and, and steer to them information that punches their hot buttons again and again and again to keep them coming back and to keep them staying longer. And as a result, your users see only one side of an issue. And so... To some extent, your platform has become a killing field for the truth, hasn't it?
3: I mean, Senator, I disagree with that that characterization. Um, You know, we build ranking and recommendations because people have a lot of friends and a lot of interests, and they want to make sure that they see the content that's relevant to them.
4: So he talked it a killing field. Other folks have called it a sex trafficking site, any one of those Senator Marsha Blackburn went back and forth with Zuckerberg about that. This, Lewis, is cut number nine.
3: Senator, our our tools for identifying that kind of content are industry-leading. That doesn't mean we're perfect. There are definitely issues that we have. But we continue Mr. Zuckerberg, to invest that. Yes, think there are I, a
0: lot that is slipping through. It appears that you're trying to be the premier sex trafficking no,
3: Of course site not, Senator.
0: In this oh, country. Senator, that's ridiculous. No, no it is Senator, not ridiculous. Uh, you want to turn around and tell these people that. We don't want, this. We don't want this content
5: on our platforms. And we, why
0: don't you take it down? We do take we it down. We are here discussing. We, 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 we need you all to than than, work with than, us. Than, than, no, you're not. You are not. And the problem is we've been working on this. Senator Welch is over there. We've been working on this stuff for a decade. You have an army of lawyers and lobbyists that have fought us on this every step of the way. You work with NetChoice, the Cato Institute, Taxpayers Protection Alliance, and Chamber of Progress to actually fight our bipartisan legislation to keep kids safe online. So are you going to stop funding these groups? Are you going to stop lobbying against this and come to the table and work with us? Yes or no?
3: Senator, we have a...
0: Yes uh, or
3: no? (laughs) Yeah. Of course we'll work with you on on the legislation. Okay. The door is
0: open. We've got all these bills. You You need to come to the table. Each and every one of you need to come to the table.
4: So there you have it. Kennedy describing it as a killing field. Then you got Marsha Blackburn talking about sex trafficking. But I want to play something for you that really does, really does exhibit the amount of hate that you get on these social media platforms every day. You guys all know that since October the 7th, I've become friendly with one Lizzie Savetsky. She's been on our show a bunch of times. She has a huge social media presence as one of the great outspoken voices. For Israel. In fact, the first time I met her was through her husband, Dr. Ira Savetsky, who's a big-time plastic surgeon in New York City. Because you may remember my daughter Ava's friend, Robbie, got beat up on the Lower East Side just because he was Jewish. And Dr. Ira Sovetsky, I should say, offered to um, fix him for nothing, and that's what he did. And then he made an offer on our show where he said, Any Jewish person that gets attacked and needs work, I'll do it for free. Well, after Ira came on, his wife, who was already a big shot in the Jewish community, Lizzie, she came on, she's been coming on ever since. But these sick bastards around the world, I see them here in Israel, in Europe. I know about them because of my daughter in her own country that continue to advocate for the killers, for the murderers, the rapists, the killers, these low lives. They tell us, We're the bad guys. We're committing genocide. So, Dr. Ira Savetsky and Lizzie received a phone voicemail from a doctor, Lewis, a doctor, not some punk kid. And listen how hateful and disgusting, grotesque, and the lies that this doctor says in this voicemail to Lizzie Savetsky. It is downright. Scary. Cut number 15.
0: Dr. Savetsky, you and your current f- wife, Lizzie, really need to be stripped naked, hauled behind a f- car on a gravel road. You are one of the most evil motherfuckers I've ever, ever heard of. And I hope somebody takes you to Israel and bombs the f out of your face. I hope everybody in the f- world. Understands what an evil motherfucker you are, you piece of sh. You might want to monetize that mouth because you're gonna to need to stuff in prison. You you've been kind of a bitch, and Lizzie looks like a damn whore.
4: Folks, that's a doctor, Louis. That's a doctor in Chicago kid, who left that voicemail. It's almost, it's not real. It almost doesn't yeah. seem, how yeah. could somebody yeah. Yeah. be yeah. like that? And these are the people that are the loudest. They're the ones who put 5,000 in Bay Ridge. They're the ones who shut down the tunnels and the bridges. They're the loudest. They're the voices. They're the ones on social media. I can't tell you. I put up a picture of my son, my beautiful, angelic son, Gabriel. There's not a better kid in the world, is there, Lewis? He's uh, one of the greatest kids you can meet. He's um, And he's standing by the western wall with his thumb up and a yarmulke. And I've got pro-Palestinian scumbags sending me stuff like, you must be very proud of your son. He's on the side of baby killers. I mean, you got to understand, there has been more than one time when I've been, I'm an old man. I'm an old, down, broken Jew. I'm almost 57 years old. I work out every day. I worked out today. I lift a lot of weight, but let's be honest. I'm an old, down broken guy. There has been a ton of times, a ton, where I wanted to grab a gun and help these kids out, especially last night, hanging out with 200 soldiers, knowing what this doctor in Chicago says. Well, the people talking about my son at the Western Wall on Instagram, or the pro Palestinians marching through Bay Ridge. We can't worry about these people anymore. We can't worry that we're going to upset some of these people anymore. We can't do it. We can't do it. F them. That's what my old grandmother in Brooklyn would say. F them. They're disgusting. They're vile. They really are. And you're not a better person by acting as if they don't exist because they may hurt the bottom line. Everybody needs to be pissed off and aggravated. Did you hear that voicemail? You heard that, Lewis, right? You heard that? It's, it's, it's too unbelievable. That's a doctor. Yeah. That lady's making a ton of money living down by Oprah Winfrey somewhere on a Miracle Mile in Chicago who's allowed to talk like that. She should lose her medical license today, and she won't because Americans are pussies. That's why. All right, I'm taking a short break. I got a laugh out of Eve. She's coming up next. She used to live in Los Angeles, but she grew a set. She's a tough lady. Eve Harrow will join us next. We've got a great guest list today. More live from Jerusalem on this Thursday morning with Sid Rosenberg right after this.
0: or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. GaboLaw, where winning is no accident.
4: Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning, live from Israel, 77 WABC. we got six guests stopping by today, six guests. we got uh, three from Israel and three from home. It's Thursday. We've got the great Bill O'Reilly stopping by at 845 this morning. But my first guest today is a, uh, a lady who took the Rosenberg family and Justin on a tour through a really, really interesting place, Gush Etzion, up in Judea and Samaria, which is a very interesting part of Israel. Well, not really, not really Israel. She's going to tell you the whole story. <laughs> And she was great. Now, we had to leave early, just and I, to come back here to the Cedars and go to work. But she had my wife and kids the rest of the day. Her name is Eve Harrow. And we had somebody related to you yeah. on this show a couple mm. of days ago. What is uh, the relation?
2: He's uh, my nephew.
4: Your nephew. Awesome. Okay. He was yeah. great, too. Yes, he was he great. Well, you did a terrific job on Tuesday. Good to see you this morning.
2: Really nice to be here.
4: Great to have you. So, you know, you, you told us on Tuesday and uh, took us through this tour, and we saw the, I don't want to get too detailed when it comes to security, but we saw some really interesting stuff. But you said Judea and Samaria, right outside of, of really Ephrat and Bethlehem, and not far from Jerusalem, about 40 minutes away, is Israel, but it's not really Israel. So if you want to explain that to the listening audience, that would be great.
2: Okay, so first of all, Judea is where the term Jew comes from. It's, it's actually a land. It's after the tribe of Judah, and the place is called Judea, and that's Yehuda, Yehudim. Okay, so Jews can source themselves to Judea. To saying that Jews don't belong in Judea is like, well, I don't know, The Puerto Ricans don't belong in Puerto Rico? I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this is the indigenous thing. Israel lost these places in 1948, and they were ethnically cleansed of the Jews by the the Jordanians. By the way, they
4: lost them in 1948, Mm -hmm. but we kicked their ass. doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, we
2: we managed to establish a Jewish state, which we hadn't had for a very, very long time, but these areas weren't included in that, and Jordan ethnically cleansed all the Jews there. So in June of 67, in the context of the Six-Day War, when Israel liberates these areas, there are no Jews there. And so there's this idea that the Jews who live there now are some. Zerpers, settlers, whatever it is, if you believe that, you believe in ethnic cleansing. Good for you. I'm not in that camp. But what Israel didn't do in Judea and Samaria after 67, which they did do in Jerusalem and which they did do on the Golan Heights, which former President Trump recognized, is apply Israeli law, meaning that close to 10% of Israeli Jews live in these areas. It's not just a few people camped out on a hilltop. And we are Israeli citizens in every sense. We pay taxes. We get medical care. 40% of the soldiers that have been killed since October 7th come from Judea and Samaria. You can see the education of, of the loyalty to the state. However, By the way, just,
4: just two days ago, the day after we you were, were. torn, uh, I wasn't there. I was in, in uh, Gush. This was in Kavara. No, this is you know, That's where, where you we guys were had when lunch. we saw
2: the film. No, oh, and we, where we saw the film. Oh, yes.
4: So the latest soldier to die was from there. So we
2: drove through the neighborhood, and those neighborhoods yesterday had a funeral. And the, the whole town is mourning exactly where we were. Wow. So that's a sacrifice that we're making. However... All the Israeli governments since 1967 have not taken the, ma- the major step of either annexing these places or at least applying Israeli law on them. And that's why when you still hear people talking about a two-state solution, which is insane, okay, oh, we did so well giving the Palestinian Authority in Hamas Gaza, let's repeat it in the heart of the country right outside of Tel Aviv, so anybody who's doing that, I I, I can't even. Anybody?
4: How about the president of the United States? Exactly. But if Israel, you're from LA, so that's still the
2: United States, kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Like I was eating granola before it was popular. (laughs) I grew up in California. No, but so that that still leaves all this up in the air because it is not officially part of the state of Israel. But what we're doing there is punching way above our weight in so many ways and preventing what happened on October 7th from happening in the middle part of Israel because we're there.
4: And stuff does happen there all the time. I mean, again, this uh, barbecue that I attended last night, these soldiers have been fighting, in Janine, which is uh, very close to where you are, I think people in America have no idea. They think there's a war in the south, there's going to be a war in the north, but there is fighting going on right there. And these are Israeli Jewish soldiers protecting that area outside of Jerusalem that, like you said, is not part of Israel, yet it really is. It's a little confusing, but the truth is I don't think Americans know How much fighting is going on around the whole country?
2: All the time. Uh, Look, we believe in preventing preventing terrorism. We don't want to have the funerals. And so when Israel Fund, who I know sponsored part of your trip and for whom I have the honor of being the director of tourism and, edu- and education, has spent a tremendous amount of resources in securing these places. But, you know, what happened on October 7th shocked us in terms of scale, but not in terms of what they did. There have been people in the Jewish communities, of Judea and Samaria, who have been slaughtered in their beds and the baby's heads cut off and girls right. who have been raped and their breasts have been cut off oh, during the rape. So... This behavior, this ISIS-like behavior, that wasn't new. It was the scale and yeah, the shot much, and where it happened right, that right. has thrown everybody.
4: So, you know, we talked about this in the, uh, in the van. You're an extraordinary tour, uh, tour guide. You're Thank great. You. You're great. And the information of wealth was really impressive. <laughs> but I liked it when you talked about America because as much as I love it here, and I really do love it, my first trip, I'm going back to Kennedy Airport on Sunday, yeah. and uh, that is still my home. So uh, when you talked about Los Angeles and how your life has changed since you moved here, I find that interesting because, again, anecdotal, it's just one person, but I've spoken to a lot of folks, including some of these soldiers last night, who moved to Israel, to Deralia, from someplace in the United States Right. and never want to go back. They're not like, I missed the Super Bowl, I miss whatever you may like about New York, L.A., Chicago, None of them, none of them ever want to go back, no matter how many wars are going on in the country.
2: Look, it's easier to live in the United States, and I personally did not move because I didn't like the United States. It's an extraordinary country. It's probably the greatest country that really ever was on the planet. The opportunities that it gives to people, it saddens me to my bones that it's falling apart that it's destroying itself from the inside inside. and we talked about that, the ingratitude that I find among a lot of American youth as to what a great country it is and what sacrifices it took to keep it like that. Now here in Israel there's a tremendous amount of meaning to our lives. I have seven kids and a whole bunch of grandchildren. What I do is for them but there is meaning here not just for us but we we are full of gratitude. You know some people say like most Israelis aren't religious it's a term that I can't stand because because you can't tell how somebody believes by what they're wearing and what their relationship is, is with God. We understand that we're part of something much, much bigger than our generation. We are, it's, it's, it's collective memory. I mean, I am doing things for the future, and I'm doing things because of the people in the past who made those sacrifices. You, and the food is awesome. The food is great, yes. yes. Um,
4: you talk about the future. Are you nervous? I mean, we know what happened in the South, okay? That was horrendous. Right. But it seems like, when I'm talking to people this week... That's just the appetizer, that's your dirts. The North is really going to be a huge issue. You may have issues as far south as Jerusalem. Tel Aviv. who knows are you nervous
2: um. I have a problem in that I had to quell my fears already years ago in order to continue to live where I live. And so there's a limit at how much I will let terrorism control my life. Any road that is open in Israel and controlled by the IDF, I'm not going to go into Bethlehem or Ramallah, but any road the Jews are allowed to travel on, I will go on, even if there's no one else on that road, because my being on that road makes it safer for other people. There is a collective here. There's a collective responsibility. The soldiers that die are not, I mean, they're not dying for themselves and for Their families. They're doing it for all of us. And so I have to do, I'm not a soldier. I have to do whatever I can do to help this country go in the direction that now, unfortunately, a lot of people realize the wrong directions. You know, one of the least satisfying things to do is to say, I told you so. Mm. But for the last 30 years, I fought against Oslo. I fought against the Gilad Shalit deal, you know, letting out uh, a thousand, including Sinwar, the guy who's running the whole thing in Hamas. How many people have died because we let him out? I moved to Gaza with my kids in the summer of 2005 to try and prevent the expulsion because it was so clear. I mean, I've imagined degree in psychology but you don't have to be a psychologist to understand what's going to happen here you just have to listen to the other side from the river to the sea they have all the blurbs they they can do it in a sentence we can't i talked to you like for 45 minutes just <laughs> yeah. getting out there and even get started we yeah. have a complicated narrative but um we are not only going to survive but we're going to thrive and when I, when I get up in the morning and I look at my phone and I look for those two words in Hebrew, like it's been allowed now to be publicized, and it's the names of the soldiers who died while I, I was sleeping. And I weep every single morning, even if I don't know who they are, because I know who they are. Because sure. this is my tribe. These are my people. And everything that I'm going to do here, and everything you're doing here from where you are, don't minimize it, is for this. But it's, we were talking about this. It's not just for us. It's for the decent people in the world. You know, we were given this mandate a long time ago to bring the Bible to the world and in that means decide who is decent and who isn't. The Bible's super clear on that and that has been our mandate and we're still doing it and we're still going to continue to do it.
4: You know, so well said and and that brings me to the point uh, we're going to close up this conversation but where I get angry which is there are so many people in the United States and around the world who don't really want to ruffle feathers. They make it clear they love the Jews, they love Israel. You go do your thing, Sid, I love you, I love the Israelis, but they don't want to ruffle feathers. They're worried about maybe the bottom line in their business, maybe people are going to get angry. So when 5,000 pro-Palestinians who are morons, they know nothing about the history of this country, rally in Bay Ridge, they don't want to say nothing, you know? They don't want to have people rallying in front of their businesses or their offices, And it didn't bother me as much before I left as it does now. I think people need to get angry around the world that there are people in the streets of America, of Europe... Around the world, advocating for people who are committing murder and making us look like we're the bad guys.
2: Well, it's also not just about Israel. If Israel goes down, what do you think is going to happen to the rest of the world? They'll come for the Jews first and the Christians afterwards. We are literally at the forefront of the fight for humanity in many ways. And so it is about you. If you're listening and you're sitting on the fence because, like, you know, Sid just said, you don't want to ruffle feathers, you can't do that anymore. There's no gray area. There's black and there's white. And you're either fighting for the good or you're responsible for evil lifting up its head and th- you all have to internalize that there's no just thing as like reading the paper and then throwing it across the room all right do something right. get involved if not for your own sake then for your kids and your grandchildren
4: so on the way out if you had to um i guess break it all down for somebody listening in la right now LA. or brooklyn uh because i think people are a bit confused as to exactly where this country is the i guess what i'm looking for is the level of danger, how close we are here in Israel to something huge happening. Where is it right now on, in the, on this? Morning? I
2: feel less safe in Los Angeles and in New York than I do here. In you town. really do. I, I mean, everybody says that. But, I absolutely yeah. do. Because okay. I
4: don't feel unsafe here at all, mm-hmm. at all. Exactly. And I walked through the the Arab quarters, those Muslim shops, mm-hmm. twice mm-hmm. on the way to the Western Wall, and I had some guy literally walk up to me and tell me to shut the f up. An Arab. As I came out of my cab making my way towards the Muslim shops, I couldn't care less. I got people who eye me up and down when I walked through those quarters for an hour at a time. It didn't bother me. But yet I'm scared on the tube train every once in a while.
2: Look, we have to not just internalize but make it clear to everybody else that this is our place and we are home. When what we consider, we in the West consider compromise and largesse, they consider weakness. When it is clear that the Jews are home to stay and we're not going anywhere and we hold out our hand in peace to whoever you want and 20% of Israeli citizens are Muslims and they get totally respected and educated and their mosques and whatever they need. But, but, if you lift a finger to a Jew you're done. There's a there's a little thing in here. We are not we're not going back to the Holocaust. We're not going back to the Inquisition and to everything else that's happened to us over the years. We are home. We have an army and yes, sometimes there's an October 7th and things fail, but we are strong and we are proud and we understand what we're doing here and we're not going anywhere. So are we afraid? We're surrounded by some pretty bad guys. Yeah. Do we understand you know, the the righteousness of our path? absolutely and our kids get it it's an unbelievable generation that's growing up here they get it they're willing to make the sacrifices because they understand that this is home and we are never running away again ever. god
4: bless you man you are terrific eve harrow folks so if you get to israel and the one <laughs> israel fund which did by the way fund this trip the yeah. wonderful people scott everybody uh you gotta you gotta go with her because she will teach you i'll tell you one more thing i'm gonna keep it a little longer but uh, my friend Dove Hyken, you know Dove Hyken, sure. and his lovely wife Shawnee. So she works with a group, and they go out there, they buy land. And they take it from the Arabs and they sell it back to the Jews. So I did a whole tour yesterday with a guy named Daniel Motidan and I saw all those neighborhoods in and around where Arafat used to live when he wanted, they offered him 93% of Israel. It wasn't enough. He wanted 100%. And and a lot of that land now is being bought from the Arabs who, by the way, will be killed if they find out you do that. Exactly. And give it back to the Jews. I love that, don't you?
2: Yeah, I wish it wasn't necessary, but there's a lot of Arabs living in homes that were once Jewish. So they cry about their refugees and everything. But, you know, I mean, not to offend anybody, I hope it's okay. Oh, this not a white country. <laughs> You saw it when you were here. Why is Israel not a white country? Why are the majority of our population Middle Easterners? Because the Arab and African world threw out the Jews in the 1950s. My son-in-law, his mother's Moroccan, his father's Tunisian. The baby's beautiful, by the way. (laughs) So, uh, you know, So, but nobody knows that. And we had a refugee problem. Nobody established an UNRWA or anything for us. We had to do it ourselves. And we have done it ourselves, and we're fine with doing it ourselves. But don't mess with us ever again it's not happening the, the, we are not back there we are not going to stay back there I've got a mission coming up in a couple of weeks a few spaces left for women to meet the women of Judea and Samaria the women wow. who are holding up the home front while their husbands are fighting and they're working and they're taking care of kids and they're taking care of their husband when he comes home a little bit traumatized from the battlefield they're awesome they're awesome and I want to, other women to meet these women to connect with these women because really I think that a lot of the responsibility of raising our kids and educating them falls on the mothers and not just on the fathers. And there are women who live not far from me who raise their kids to blow other people up. All right. Mm -hmm. I don't understand it, but I have to accept it. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, where a lot of us in the West are because it doesn't fit into our mindset. It can't possibly be. Mm -hmm. Knock it off, guys. Forget the patronizing attitude. There are people out there who will do things that in your wildest nightmares, you can't imagine. Accept it. Protect yourselves from it. Cleanse the world from it if you can and move on. That's how
4: I see it. Eve Harrow, you're great. Thank you. We do a uh, an International Women's Day once here at WABC, uh, John Margot, You need to come on. You got it. Because you Just are that voice, ahead. that collective thinking. My guy Doug back in New York loved that. That collective thinking that will help us as we move forward. Great to meet you. Thanks for coming on today. We'll talk again very soon. You
2: got it, Thank so Thank you Eve Harrow
4: much. right here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. If you didn't like that. I don't know what to tell you. She is a, a very, very impressive lady. That wraps up hour number one. We got a big seven o'clock hour still to come your way, which includes Hillel Fould, another legend here in Israel, and Mr. Guardian Angel, our own legend back in New York, Curtis Sliwa. Don't forget Bill O'Reilly coming up at 8.45. Keep it right here. Hour number two, live from Jerusalem. We'll be back right after this. <laughs>